Welcome to Behind the Flag podcast. We want to thank our sponsor, Get It Right Enterprises. Get It Right offers great training software to learn football rules. They can be located at www.getitrighttraining.com. Bob Arnone is the owner and founder of Get It Right and has truly provided some great football training to the New Mexico Officials Association. My name is Dennis Barella. I'm a Albuquerque High School football official working line of scrimmage, and I also just finished my first year of Division II last year at the line of scrimmage. Co-host Ken Adent. He is a back judge out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and also has just completed his first year of Division II college football officiating. We want to thank your support, and we truly hope you enjoy our webinars that can be located at AFOA underscore ref dot com on YouTube and our podcast at Behind the Flag. All right, here we go. Um, Saturday night, and tonight we have Jim Kapora. He's an ACC side judge, and you can see his his football uh, bio here. I'm not going to read everything on his resume because we'll be here till next Saturday with all his accomplishments. But he is the coordinator of officials for the Centennial Conference, which is in the Pennsylvania area, I believe. The, yeah, these two schools in Maryland and eight in Pennsylvania. Okay, um, you know ACC side judge. He he does all the big games and just the top three there: the 2019 Citrus Bowl, 2018 Arena Football League semifinals, and the 2016 Arizona Bowl. And it just goes on from there. So, um, you know, I was I was really really excited when uh, Bob Arnone contacted me and and recommended Jim as a presenter um, because I think his presentation goes right in line with everything we've been talking about as far as philosophy since um, since April since we started these and I think Jim will be our 28th presenter on the webinars and um, I'm just very grateful that we just keep continuing to get uh, this type of caliber presenter, football presenters that are willing to spend an hour with us and just talk football. Um, and so with that, Jim, uh, the floor is yours. Um, if anybody has any questions, put them in the chat room. We'll go through them. Um, I don't see Dana on, but if she, if she does come on, Shortly, then uh, we'll give her the opportunity to to make some comments. Or at the end of the of the hour, um, Ken. Okay. Thank no, you. Dennis, yeah, I'm sorry. Jim, Go ahead, all, Ken. Jim, it's all yours. I just want to thank you personally for taking your time. I mean, everybody's time that comes on and spends with some bunch of high school guys from Albuquerque and around the country, we we greatly appreciate. So, thank you very much, sir. Well, uh, Ken and Dennis, first of all, it's my, uh, my privilege to be with you all here tonight. I thank you for the invitation. Looking forward to it and want to certainly thank uh, Bob Arnone and Mike Burton for uh, whatever uh, influence, whatever they may have had. But um, I, I think we'll find this, you know, we all know officiating is a big fraternity. And I, I just think it's kind of neat for someone sitting in their house in Pennsylvania to be able to touch base with folks in the state of New Mexico and Washington State and I'm sure a number of other places as well. So uh, 
but again, it's my privilege. I'm very humbled to be with you all tonight. And um, uh, when Dennis and I spoke about three weeks ago, uh, I mentioned that I've, I've spoken at various clinics throughout the country, actually. And one of the presentations I've developed is called Don't Be That Guy. And uh, Dennis and I spoke a little bit about it, and he thought that might be a, uh, you know, a good idea for tonight. So uh, obviously, I don't know folks in person, but I want to thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, I, I know there's a way to, if you have any questions or whatever, certainly try to address them. And I guess it's called a chat box. I'm not all that familiar technology-wise, but I think I can uh, address whatever might be out there. So at any rate, welcome. My privilege to be here. So um, in the course of my career, I've learned a lot from a lot of different people. I think that's one of the truisms, truisms of officiating. And, uh, we all have mentors and we all have, uh, I've stolen a lot of things, concepts, ideas and whatnot, techniques from, from certain people. And throughout the presentation, uh, I'll probably mention their names and maybe give a little background as to how we met and stuff. Uh, but at any rate, um, I've been uh, uh, making presentations for quite some time. And uh, I put one together called Don't Be That Guy, which has been received pretty well at a number of functions. So with that, uh, with that said, uh, Dennis, if you're, uh, if we can move to the next slide. All right. So, uh, we talk a lot in officiating, uh, you know, things that we should do to enhance our career, things we should do to, uh, increase uh, our opportunities. And don't be that guy is kind of a look at things, uh, things that you don't want to do, things that you don't want to do because they will implode your career. They will uh, hinder rather than enhance your career. So uh, if you are that guy, and we'll develop what that guy really means in a minute, uh, you can pretty well kiss your career goodbye. Uh, do your best to not be that guy. One of the things I've learned in officiating is many, many times officials hurt themselves more with things they do off the field rather than on the field. And it's been uncanny to me uh, to see that in both football. I also assign and officiate collegiate women and high school women's girls softball. And I have found the commonalities in football and softball. And I used to coach high school basketball for quite some time. Uh, but far too many times officials actually hurt themselves. And again, it happens more off the field than on the field. And we'll bring up some examples of that tonight. If we were in person, I'd like to think that some of this you'll be sitting around saying, I can't believe that, but uh, it, it's, it's one of those scenarios. So anyways, uh, don't be that guy. Be aware of what you say and to whom you say it, especially in the locker room, especially to your neighbor, whatever. As officials, I think we have to understand we're always under the spotlight. We're always under uh, a type of scrutiny that is not true of the general population. I think that's what you sign up for as an official. So one of the mentors of my officiating career is an NFL field judge by the name of Tom Hill. We call him Coach Hill. And uh, he talks about this concept without saying it in the words, don't be that guy. But anyway, in essence, don't be that guy means don't step on your own, and you can all figure out what the uh, letters stand for there if we're playing uh, uh, America Says or Jeopardy or something like that. But you, you don't want to be the official that implodes their own career 
by stepping on their own wood. And I'm not going to say it if I was uh, in person, it might generate a laugh or two. But so uh, this entire presentation is geared towards officials not being that guy. It's hard enough to move up in this avocation. It's hard enough to get notice. It's hard enough to get certain opportunities. And, and it's hard enough to be in the right place at the right time. So you want to do, we want to do everything we can to maximize our opportunities rather than taking away uh, potential opportunities. Okay, Dennis. So, yeah, at the, and that's fine. The, the bottom line is the official who is that guy is the official who simply doesn't get it. And that's just the way it is. It, it, somebody could do this forever, 50 years, 100 years, five years. If you if you're that guy, you're, you're never going to get what this is about from a big picture, what I call a broad brush perspective. So again, we don't want to be the official. We don't want to be the, the official who doesn't get it. We don't want to be the official who is that guy. Okay. So all right. one of the things that I have found, and, and I'm as guilty as anybody, when I started out a long time ago, uh, people would tell me, don't do this, don't do that. But probably on far too many occasions, I ignored their advice. But as time went on, I began to see their wisdom and that they were trying to help me and not hurt me. And one of the things that when I was coming up, I would always compare my schedule to other officials. And I'd say, oh, man, I can't believe John Doe has this game. You know, I should be on that game. This and that. and, and uh, believe me, if, if, if that's what you spend your time doing, uh, I learned the hard way. It's it's not a good thing. It's not a good way to, to be. Um, I remember one time I, I told an assigner, uh, boy, that's the game you gave me isn't a big game. He said, go ahead and screw it up and watch how big it just got. Watch how big it just became. So don't compare your schedule. Be thankful what you got. Okay. Uh, speaking negatively about your supervisor. I, I kind of think that I've been fortunate in that I'm both a division three supervisor of football officials, a high school supervisor of softball umpires and an on-field official in both college football and college and high school women's softball. So I've learned over the years that too many officials implode their own career by continuing to always speak negatively about your supervisor. If you don't like the person, that's one thing, but rightly or wrongly, they are your boss. And if you don't uh, kind of, you know, if you don't play ball, no pun intended, all you're doing is hurting yourself. I mean, I've gotten to know a whole lot of supervisors in both sports. And most are good people. Some are better than others like anything else. But I think if you spend a lot of your time being critical of your supervisor or your schedule or, well, John Doe has better games than I have, you're probably missing the point of what officiating is all about. So, and along with that, how many times have – we heard about officials who don't pay their dues on time, don't turn in paperwork on time. They seem to put things off, a lack of punctuality. I know as a high school softball signer and as a college football supervisor, most of the complaints I get from coaches or ADs are very often about something that happened off the field rather than on the field. I think as time has gone on, you know, uh, uh, coaches, ADs, administrators understand calls are going to be missed. Calls are going to be debated. Uh, some things are very, very close. Was it DPI or nothing? Was it enough for holding or not? 
safe out in softball, whatever. But if we control the things we control, starting with punctuality, paying your chapter dues, paying your association dues, whatever the New Mexico uh, State Association requires, take care of those things. Don't be that guy. Don't be the, the official that someone in Albuquerque says, you know, this official's late every year with their dues, or this official never turns in their state test uh, annually, or whatever the scenario would be. You don't want to be that official. Because believe it or not, you do develop a reputation. And like anything else in life, reputations are hard to get rid of. Good ones are, are you keep them, and bad ones are hard to get rid of. So failing to respond to emails, called. I'll, I'll share a story with you. About three years ago in a softball game, I get a phone call from a coach. Long story short, it had nothing to do with strikes and balls, safes outs, fair fouls, nothing. What it had to do with was uh, the, the official – the umpire uh, did not understand what we call in softball the 10-run rule, which is very, very basic. But at any rate, so they get in a big argument in the fifth inning, the coach and the umpire, and the umpire ends up telling the coach, uh, I don't want to hear any more bullshit, part of my French. And that's simply understood. So the coach calls me. I call the umpire. I leave him a message. He doesn't call me back. I call me. It took more than 24 hours for him to get back to me, and I don't tolerate that. But when he finally did, I said, what took you? He said, I'll call you back when I want to call you back. I said, thank you very much. You might want to check Arbiter in about five minutes. And, again, I don't understand officials who take that kind of an approach. Okay? Be upfront with people. Be straightforward. Uh, be honest. If you miss something, if, if you're whatever, just people appreciate honesty. They appreciate, uh, I think, especially in the officiating industry, people being upfront with one another, that there's no other way to be in my humble opinion. Okay, Dennis. Yeah, same thing. Okay. I, I don't know if you all use Arbiter or some other internet system, but the worst thing in the world is for an assigner assigns you a game because you appear open on whatever internet system is being used. And then it turns out, Oh, I forgot to close it or I forgot to I cannot tell you how upsetting that is to assigners. Uh, I've, I've assigned officials for a total of 37 years in the two sports combined. And again, few things upset me more than, oh, well, I forgot to block, or I, I uh, you know, I, I, my daughter's getting married. I forgot to mark it off. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Just take care of business. Be a professional about it. So, yeah, punctuality, paperwork issues, et cetera. Don't be that guy. Take care of those things. You see, I put in a clock there, and, and I'll tell you a story uh, relative to that. You see some Jolly Ranchers on the right, and you might be thinking, what do Jolly Ranchers have to do with officiating? That's a real good question. Well, in 2017, and if I'm making this up, uh, a lot of you will think I'm making it up, but I'm not. I'm driving – from a softball game to a softball meeting. This is April of 2017, so we're going back a little more than three years. And as I'm in my car driving, my cell phone rings. I pick it up. Hello, this is Jim. And a woman gets on the phone and says, uh, this is Mary Ann so-and-so. Uh, I have no idea who this is, folks. And, and I said, how can I help you? And she said, well, I'm the coach of a certain school, the JV softball coach of a certain high school in Pennsylvania that I assigned for. And I instinct, instinctively think to myself, this cannot be good when a JV coach is calling me 
uh, but I have no idea what this is about. So I, I, she goes, are you in charge of the umpire? I said something like, yeah, that's what they tell me. Again, how can I help you? Because why well, have a complaint about the umpire who, and she didn't even, she said the umpire who wasn't behind home plate. So I know we call that the base umpire, the field umpire. If you all do baseball or softball, you know what I'm alluding to. So I'm saying, well, what? She goes, well, first of all, we won the game 12 to 3, so I'm not complaining about any calls that he made. Okay. So now you can imagine my mind going, what what can this possibly be about? Okay. You won 12 3. It's a JV game. Uh, I mean, on a typical day, we've got 36 games going, that's 72 assignments. And I said, well, coach, let's, let's cut to the, you know, brass tax here. What, what are you calling me about? And she said, well, she said, you know, we have a hard time getting enough players for our JV team. We only have 11 on the whole team and we're happy to have a team. And one of our players has never played softball before. She's in 10th grade, but she's on the team and she's going on and on. And I'm kind of listening. I said, okay, what is this about? And she said, well, when she came up to bat today, uh, you know, in the second inning, uh, she walked, and it was the first time in her life she ever got the first base, and she was so happy and thrilled and stuff like that. And and again, I'm I'm like, okay, what what is going on here? So eventually, this coach who meant well, she says, well, our first base coach, when she when the when the batter got the first base after she got ball four, the first base coach reached and gave her a Jolly Rancher, kind of like a little whatever you want to call it, gift or whatever. And the, the runner who in her, the first time in her entire life had been on first base ever. Okay. She stepped off the base to get this Jolly Rancher and the base umpire yells, time, time, you're out. You're out for leaving the base. Okay. The girl may, it had nothing to do with the girl trying to steal second base. It had nothing to do with her leaving the base early. And I listened to the coach and before I could interject anything, she then said, and then the girl started crying and now she doesn't want to play anymore. And whether or not we, we want to hear that or not, is, I just thought to myself, are you kidding me? You talk about an official that just stepped on his own, you know what? You talk about an official that might be the most incredible example ever of being that guy. Okay. So he calls her out. And we hang up, and I call the umpire. The guy's first name is Jerry. His last name starts with a P, lives in Pennsylvania, of course. I said, Jerry, this is Jim Kapoor calling. Hey, Jim, how are you? I said, well, uh, not too good, Jerry. I said, tell me about the game today. Oh, it was no problem at all. It was an you know, easy game. I think the one team won 12 to 2 or 3 or whatever. I said, yes. I said well, what, well, tell me about the runner on first base that you called out for getting a Jolly Rancher from the base coach. Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's the rule. You know, she's not allowed to leave the base on the Rancher. I said, Jerry, Jerry, let's look at the big picture here. First of all, you don't understand and realize it was the girl's first time in her life she was ever on base. Second of all, did she gain any kind of an advantage? Obviously, it's a rhetorical question, folks. But the long and short of it is, I told I said, do you realize what you've done? Okay, now, now the girl doesn't want to play anymore. The sport in some areas is struggling to get people to play. Is this what you want to do as an official? Is this the purpose of officiating? Is this the big picture of what you want to be known as? A guy who calls a runner out for getting a Jolly Rancher from a base coach. 
well, I never really thought about it. So, well, I understand that, Jerry. I said, I'm not happy about it. You know, we're going to, you know, put this to bed. But sure enough, we get to a meeting that night. The guy comes to the same meeting I'm going to, and he told other people about it. And, uh, you know, people were like, just stupendous. Like, are you kidding me? So I kid you not, folks, the next time and every time we've had a meeting since, somebody will bring a bag of Jolly Ranchers and honor this guy. And they call him now J.R. Jr. Everybody calls him that. It's not his real name. Hey, how are you? People actually call the guy Jolly Rancher or Jr. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of taking along a life of its own. But all because, I mean, are you kidding me? Why would you do that? And in his case, he was good about it. I explained to him, we don't ever want to do that again. The game is for the players. It's not for us to be technical or nitpicking or ruining things for players. That's not why we're there. So, uh, again, as it says at the bottom there, okay, guys who are that guy, officials who are that guy, don't have an excuse. Sometimes we all need to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I'll try to do better. And the, 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 uh, power, the uh, bullet point above that, the yeah, but, that's okay, Dennis. Uh, officials who are yeah, but, I found that's the, the quickest way to fall out of favor with your supervisors. Uh, someone's given a critique and they're yeah, but. Uh, somebody, you might want to think about this because, yeah, but uh, on that particular play, it looked like you maybe didn't keep, yeah, but. Uh, I have found if you're a yeah, but official, you you really are going to quickly have a negative impact on your own career. Mike Burton, who's on the call tonight, is a wonderful human being. He's also a very well-known very long time and accomplished supervisor officials. And as you probably know, he's now the national coordinator for, for division two. And Mike's a great guy and he has a lot of patience and a lot of tolerance, but he like none of us, we don't want yeah, but officials. If someone is offering something, you don't like it. That's okay. We've all been there. You may even disagree with it, but take the professional road, take the high road. Say, I hear what you're saying. You know, I'll, I'll certainly try to incorporate it or whatever. But don't be a yeah, but guy. You're only hurting yourself. Like we said earlier, officials are always in a public eye. That's never going to change. And I think the scrutiny you're under in this day and age is greater than ever. There's no doubt about it. Everybody's videotaping something, whether it's through a cell phone or, or whatever it might be. Uh, everything we do is scrutinized to the nth degree and somehow it gets even more. You're going to be involved. Uh, whoever's on this call, at some point you're going to make a call or you're not going to make a call. And there are people that will never forget it. Somebody might come up to you 10, 12, 15 years later and say, I remember when you this or you that. You, you probably might not even recall what they're alluding to, but it's going to happen. Uh, fans, or I mean, the word fanatic, you know, obviously is the, the letters fan, F-N or a prefix. Uh, and sometimes they're crazy. That's the reality of it but uh, that's not going to change. And, and whenever, if and when we ever get back to officiating sports relative to uh, COVID-19 or whatever else, fans aren't going to change. Please don't think that they're going to have some kind of a, uh, you know, a catharsis because it's not going to happen. They're going to want to win. They're going to want to yell at you, just that the other thing. So uh, don't be that guy. Social media, I believe, can be the biggest uh, the biggest negative influencer of an official's career. Uh, I'm not going to get specific with you, but I, I know for a fact there are people uh, 
who have not made it into major professional leagues as officials because of social media. Frankly, I don't really care who you're eating spaghetti with or where you're eating spaghetti. That's just me. I'm not saying you shouldn't be on it, but from an officiating perspective, social media cannot help you at all. If you look at the headline I have there, and some of you might remember this, okay, uh, where it says in the left, Southeast Conference released a statement in response to viral photo of referee supporting LSU. What had happened on the right, you see a gentleman uh, who was a longtime, I believe, 17 or 18-year Southeast Conference men's basketball official. What you see in that photo was taken at a family vacation back in like 2007 or 8 when, when this gentleman and his family were in China on a vacation. And somebody there recognized them. And, hey, I'm an LSU, you know. And so the guy very innocently, very innocently, had his picture taken holding that shirt. Well, lo and behold, fast forward 11 or 12 years, the guy's working an LSU-Tennessee men's basketball game, which goes into overtime. And there's a call that's made. And, of course, somehow, somehow this photo surfaces and this gentleman, Anthony Jordan, went through hell. Uh, is it fair? No. Is it right? I don't think so. But it is what it is. So if you put something on social media, it's there forever. It's never going to go away. It can't be scrubbed off, even if it's deleted, taken away, whatever. It's just something you really have to be careful of as officials. I know that different leagues have different policies. I can assure you like in the ACC, our football supervisor, a gentleman named Dennis Hennigan, every year at the clinic, he'll, he'll reiterate, if anybody here posts where they're going, who, which game they're working, or if they have any situation with a coach or player, if it makes it onto Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you are automatically terminated. That's it. There's no justification. There's no rationale. There's no appeal. You're simply gone. It is simply not permitted. And it's something that I think we all should really keep uppermost in mind. Again, don't implode your career with something like that. Okay. Dennis, are we doing okay here? I mean, is there any? I think we're doing good. Um, Ken, is there anything in the chat room? No, I don't see anything in the chat room, but. Uh, okay. I do have one question for you. Sure. Communication with um, the supervisor, how long does it take your officials to respond to you um, when you leave them a message or send them an email? Because uh, I know you, had, you said you had that one um, <clears throat> official that told you, I'll call you back when I'm ready to call you back. So I'm sure you've had that conversation with, with with your officials that uh, you expect some kind of timeliness do you have? So, so that's a good question, Dennis. Before each season in football and softball, I send out what I simply call a supervisor's memo with about 10 bullet points. It's not real long. It's, it's, it's rather succinct. But one of them is communicating with me. And if I call or email or text you, okay, I, I don't say, well, I want an answer in an hour. That's unrealistic. A person might have a job. Whatever. So I simply say, the expectation is you will get back to me ASAP, okay, ASAP. Now, what does that mean? It might mean 10 minutes for somebody. It might mean three hours for somebody else. That's okay, all right? But, but I don't want to be left hanging 
Um, one thing I've learned as a supervisor, when coaches call supervisors, they, their opinion, although it's not accurate, but their opinion is that the whole world should stop so that they can get an answer immediately. But the reality of it is that's not, that's not the reality. So I tell our coaches, if they send me plays, that they're allowing me to send me plays in football starting at 12 o'clock Sunday till 12 o'clock Monday, a 24-hour period. And my rule of thumb for them is I will respond to them within 24 hours. And, and I, I'm very, very uh, good about that. I, I'm very meticulous about that. And our officials understand that time frame as well. So, uh, again, I, I do not, Dennis, to answer your question, I don't say you need to call me back in five minutes. Or, that might not be possible. But at the same time, getting back to me does have to have a priority. Right. And I just, I just asked that question because, um, you know, like, like we had the conversation before I was in Vegas the last two days at a basketball uh, camp and one of the division one supervisors talked um, to this concept about responding to your, to your supervisors and somebody asked him that question. Um, but the question was, how long does it take the official to, to respond to you during the season versus uh, during the off season? And he says, well, it, it depends. I mean, um, the off season, they call me back within two minutes. And during the season, they call me back within one minute because they know that I'll just go down the list when I'm assigning games. And if they don't respond, then um, that has a big influence on, on who's going to get a game when I know that I need to fill a spot um, versus do I call Dennis when he's going to respond to me or do I call somebody else that uh, might not respond to me for another 24 hours. So um, I think that's where I was kind of going with, with the communication with the supervisors that yep. has to do with a lot of uh, trust and being able to rely on your official and um, understanding that when you need something that, that, that official is going to be there to, to answer you. Yep. Well, and, and certainly to your point, Dennis, the larger point is, you know, some circumstances, uh, or are uh, urgent or exigent, and others are not that way. But um, if, if, if I'm working, if Dennis Hennigan calls me up or texts me, okay, um, you know, I'm going to try to get back to him at my earliest possible time frame. And I think that's an expectation that we should all have. And I think that's the right way to do it. Right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Good question. So don't be that guy. When you communicate with coaches, this is one of my, my pet peeves. Uh, I, I might know a coach very well. I might have worked games involving his team numerous times. I never, ever use his first name. Uh, if, if Mike Burton's the coach of, of School X, hey, Mike, how are you? I will never do that. It will always be Coach Burton. I believe that players, and, and I was a, I've coached high school basketball for 13 years, I believe that players want to hear officials call their coach coach. That's a sign of respect. Uh, Mike and I might be very good friends off the field, but I would never call him, hey, Mike, how are you? It's Coach Burton or Coach Mike. I would always precede his name, first or last, with the word coach. That's just a pet peeve of mine. I tell our officials that. I don't want them calling our officials by their – or I don't want our officials calling coaches by their first name only. I, I think that's disrespectful. The coaches earned that title, in my opinion, and that's something that is simply uh, – I will never compromise that. Communic communicating with fellow officials, 
uh, you know, we're all big boys here. We understand that everyone is different. All officials are different. Yeah, we have some things in common, just like coaches have things in common, but everyone's different. You're going to be on a cruise sometimes where you really have great chemistry, and there's other times when the chemistry might not be that great. But the professional approach to avoid being that, avoid being that guy, okay, you've got to work with those folks in that game that day as best as you possibly can. Sometimes is it hard? Sure. Sometimes is it easy? Sure. It is what it is. And as your career goes on, you figure that out. Okay? You've got to be yourself. You can't be somebody you're not. But you cannot, you, you cannot be overbearing to the point where fellow officials don't want to be with you. Uh, one of the things that, that I ask at the end of every year, I call every single one of my officials during the month of December. I call each official. I set aside a 20-minute window. I tell them when it's going to be like one-day back judges, one-day field judges, referees, whatever. But at any rate, one of the questions I always ask of our referees is, is there anyone that you worked with that you felt didn't fit in? And conversely, give me a list of guys you felt did. And I actually take notes. I have a file on every person. I've done that for a number of years. To me, that's just kind of doing my homework. Uh, when I coach basketball, I was very meticulous with things like that as well. But you've got to be able to communicate with whoever you're out there on that given day with, okay? Don't be that guy. Don't blame others if something goes wrong, okay? The hardest thing I have found for an official to do is stand up in front of his or her, or her peers and say, it was my fault, I blew it, or I missed that call, or something along those lines. It's a very difficult thing to do. We understand, we get beat up enough by media, by fans, sometimes by supervisors, but nonetheless, if we make a mistake, the best thing you can do is own it. I think if you own it, it allows you to move beyond it. If you don't own it, I don't think you're ever going to move beyond it. Uh, if I can share a story, in May of 2014, uh, in, this, in this area of Pennsylvania where I live, high school softball is a pretty big deal. And the one league that I run, they have a championship game. They always play it at night at a, an old stadium, but kind of a unique, uh, just kind of a relic-type softball stadium. And they get about, I mean, at night, close to 2,000 people come. It's a big deal. It's on local TV and so on. And in May of 2014, one of the most epic games in the conference's history, nothing, nothing, we're in the bottom of the 10th. And there's a play at home plate. And the fact of the matter is the umpire blew it. The home plate umpire blew it. Uh, the girl was clearly out. He called her safe. The place erupted. I've never seen a softball environment erupt like I did. Uh, police had to be called. I mean, it was ugly. At any rate, uh, the next day I called the guy. I said, I want to sit down with you. He said, nope. Really, nope. It took, between you and I, folks, it took over two years for that umpire to sit down with me, look me in the eye and say, Jim, I blew the call. And his career was never the same until he was able to do that. It was like an albatross he had around his neck. So as difficult as it is, as bitter of a pill as it might be to swallow, if you screw something up, part of being a, a really good official is saying, I missed that call. I work hard. Nobody wants that to happen, but I missed it. If, if we have the ability to do that, I will assure you it will enhance your career, not detract from it. I learned a long time ago from a gentleman who's now deceased who used to preach to us, the ability to admit a mistake increases your credibility. 
that's that's a statement I've taken with me for a long time. Okay, the ability to admit a mistake increases your credibility. Okay, don't be that guy. Don't have a confrontational attitude. It's hard enough to officiate sports. This isn't for everybody. You are special to do this. Not everyone can do what you're doing. A lot of people might think they can. Your next door neighbor probably thinks he or she can. The reality of it is they probably can't. But at any rate, it does us no good to be confrontational. Be professional. It's okay to be firm. It's okay to tell a coach, coach, I've had enough. I always precede that by coach, I've heard you and I've listened to you. Now that's enough. We're going to move on. Okay. So you got to kind of develop a, a game plan in that regard. And you can do that without becoming confrontational. Try your best to not be confrontational. That's only going to hurt you. You don't want to do that. That's what this whole presentation is about. Don't be that guy. Don't hurt yourself. Okay. And similarly, that guy is always the official who puts him or herself first. Like, you know, well, I did this. I did that. I did this. I had that game. Oh, yeah, back then. Frankly, nobody wants to hear it. And secondly, most importantly, officiating is really about not what you have done, but what are you going to do? Not what you have done, but what are you going to do? I try to think of the axiom, uh, the letters win, W-I-N. I heard former Notre Dame coach Lou Holtz say this one time, win, what's important now? I thought about it. I said, that's very applicable to officiating. What's important now is the next play. What's important now is the next game. What's important now is my next step. It's not what I have or haven't done. It's what I'm going to do or what I'm going to try to do. So what's important now? So. One of the questions, as I alluded to earlier, I ask our referees all the time, is this a guy that you want to work with? Is this a guy who assists the crew or detracts from the crew? Ultimately, that really is the issue. Do we want John Doe on the crew or do we not want John Doe on the crew? And I assure you, in every association, and I'm sure the same thing is true in Albuquerque and throughout the state of New Mexico, there's no question some officials, very personable, very amicable. Uh, people want to be around them. They just have that factor, that it factor. And conversely, there's other people that, oh, no, so-and-so is on the game. That, that's the reality of it. That's never going to change as long as human beings are doing this. Okay. As I said, do you add or detract from the staff that ultimately – as far as what I do each year, when I sit down and decide, am I going to ask so-and-so to come back? And in 14 years in college football signing, I've only dismissed nine people. It's less than one a year. It's about one every other year. I'm not in the business to do that. Sometimes you have to, but in my opinion, it's not why you, it's not why you want to become a supervisor. You want to help people not hurt nor hinder them. Okay. Do you add or detract from the crew? It's very important. Crew dynamics crew lives and dies together is that fair i don't know that's above my pay grade but that's the way it is will you sink the ship or you keep the ship afloat because ultimately that is what matters most have you added to or you have detracted from like a school principal once told me i was a school teacher for 34 years he said are you part of the problem part of the solution if you're part of the problem this is not going to work you're part of the solution We'll find a way to you know have things work out. 
I used to tell my basketball players the same thing. Okay. Having you on the team, do you add or detract from the team? I don't care if you're a starter, sixth man, or, or if you play very little, you can still make a contribution. Every member is integral. And you have to understand as an official, that's certainly the truth as well. If you're a member of your association, can you do something to, you know, help with making up weekly quizzes? Can you help with some kind of a, a technology committee that might be formed? Can you help with a sunshine committee? Can you help in any way? Or are you just there to go to meetings and complain or, well, this, that, that, this, this isn't right. This isn't that. Um, officials officiating as an industry is a microcosm of society. It's my opinion. The overwhelming majority of officials are good, genuine, sincere people. In all my years of officiating, that has certainly been the case the overwhelming majority of the time. Is it always the case? No. Are there some bad apples in officiating? Yes. But I think the overwhelming majority of officials I've met from people, I've been so blessed and so fortunate all over the country. Uh, you know, without officiating, I would have never met some of the neat people in my life that I consider extremely close friends. And I, I joke with people, if I ever was in trouble with the law, I haven't been, but if I was, I would probably call an official from far away before an attorney. Uh, uh, exactly. And just true story, just a couple weekends ago, uh, my wife and I went to a place down the New Jersey shore, little, just kind of a quick getaway. And long story short, we were at breakfast the one day and she lost a veneer uh, on her tooth and she was very upset. And I said, relax. She goes, you know, anybody down here? I said, well, actually I do. I called a fellow official from the New Jersey High School Association. Guy's first name is Bill. I, I said, hey, I'm down here, blah, blah. I said, my wife had this happen. I said, by any chance, you know a dentist? He goes, absolutely. He said, my best friend is a dentist. Here's his name and number. You call him, I'll call him. I guarantee you we'll have your wife in there. Today. This is during the COVID thing. This is only like 10 days ago, 11 days ago. Okay, and it worked out great. Within two hours, I took my wife to this office. Never been there. Never been to the town in my life. The, the, the guy fixed her up, and boom. Okay. I don't know that that happens in every avocation. So it's, uh, it's a pretty neat thing. Okay, Dennis. So at the end of the day, all right, don't be that guy. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about we. We, not me. The same thing that if you've ever coached the sport, and I'm sure many of you have, it's the same concept. Okay. Are you part of the problem, like we said earlier, or are you part of the solution? Okay. Is the staff better off with you or is the staff better off without you? You hope that that's not the case, but the reality of it is every now and then the latter part of that question is the accurate part of that question. So, so with that kind of uh, wrapping up, if you will, I don't know if there's any chat boxes or Dennis or Ken or whomever, if there's any questions, um, we'll certainly try to, just uh, respond to them, uh, my thoughts, opinions, whatever. But I'm sure Dennis is checking in the chat room. We've had a lot of guests, but nobody spoke about as direct as you did, Jim. I love it. Well, Ken, I appreciate that. Um, and I, you know, I just think we all have to be ourselves. And, and it, you know, so 
sometimes officials need to be, hey, don't do this. Uh, I, I didn't mention during the presentation, but I'm a big history buff, and Abraham Lincoln is my all-time favorite president. I hope it's okay to say that in this day and age. At any rate, um, one of my favorite Abraham Lincoln quotes is he said, I have learned something from every single person I've ever met in my life, but most of what I've learned is what not to do. And I always think of that in an officiating context. Uh, we do so many things to hurt ourselves. when if we would just be a professional about things, and I'm not in any way suggesting to just accept what somebody tells you as is. I'm a very, I consider myself to be a very critical thinking person, a very analytical person. And if I have an issue with something, I will find the proper form to say, you know, in my opinion or the way I see it, you know, whatever. And I think that's fine. I, as a supervisor, I like that. I don't want yes men, but I want honest, upfront, straightforward people. And I think as an official, if you take that approach, in my opinion, supervisors gain respect for you if you're like that. Uh, I tell my officials this all the time, and I learned this from the great, great UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden, who said, I love all my players, but I like some more than others. I think that's absolutely true. And as a teacher, I taught high school for 34 years. Some kids I really liked a lot. Uh, other kids I didn't like at all. But if a kid earned a certain grade, well, you know what? Then that's the grade they earned. And I think being a supervisor is the same way. I don't think you can say, well, I don't like this official, so I'm going to not give him a good schedule. I think you have to try to base it on what you think is, is in the best interest of the conference based on the official's ability. Do you like some people more than others? Absolutely, yes. And anyone who says otherwise, quite frankly, they're, they're not telling the truth. So, Ken, that's a long, I guess, a long uh, roundabout way of saying uh, I appreciate what you said. Um, and, again, I just think that's how we all got to be ourselves as, as you live your life, and that's certainly true in officiating. So there's, um, there's a comment question in the chat room from a Michael. It says, Jim, thank you so much for doing this tonight. I really appreciate it. Being that there isn't many camps or clinics for football officials. Um, well, here in, in New Mexico, there's, there's only two. One ran in, in Albuquerque and one in Las Cruces. This is uh, the second year for the second camp down in Las Cruces. But um, he's asking if, if uh, would you recommend or where to look for any, any camps in the future? And I want to add to that as far as your footprint as an official, do you just keep in your uh, geographical region when you're looking for officials to move up or do you, does it matter? So that's a great question. And, and uh, I'm not sure there's a, a standard pat answer, but as far as going to clinics and whatnot, um, I, I guess it varies greatly where you live. I know that uh, Dennis had mentioned uh, something that you folks are doing in the uh, Las Cruces area, which I know where's New Mexico State is because I had a game there once and thought it was pretty neat. But um, at any rate, uh, there are various clinics held throughout the country. We have one in the spring. I mean, Dick Honing has run one forever in, in Michigan. Uh, I'm sure they're 
uh, clinics out west somewhere. So I, I think, you know, th that's a good thing to do. Some of them tend to be pretty pricey. Uh, I think you kind of make an investment in yourself in this day and age. But I also think that maybe an overlooked part, uh, I think you have to find a mentor. And, and when I say a mentor, just because someone's done this for 10 years, 15 years, 18 years, in my mind, that does not necessarily make them a mentor. To me, a mentor is a person who desires to give back, a person who wants to really try to improve the avocation of officiating by coaching other people up. So I would suggest, or my suggestion is that try to find one or two mentors who really care about you as a person as much as they do about you as an official. That might be hard to do, but there are folks out there like that. And uh, guys who are not interested, well, I'm in this league, I'm in that league. Um, I mentioned before Coach Hill from the NFL. Truth be told, uh, he called me up last night. He had a, a young official in his house in Florida. And they were going over a college rules test, and, and Coach Hill's an NFL guy. He doesn't know the college rules are vastly different. And uh, this this uh, person is he's in that battlefields, the ball fields uh, program, which is great. And he put me on the phone with him. He says, he's got about four or five questions for you. And I felt honored that that Coach Hill would have that gentleman call me and ask me. One was about like an illegal touching play, and uh, one was an offset that foul. But but that doesn't really matter. It's just the idea. So the guy said to me, he goes, would I be able to take your number down if I have any? I said, absolutely. Here's my number. Here's my email. You can call me anytime. I think that that is sometimes overlooked to answer the chat box question as something that can really help a, an official. Um, if, if you have 20 mentors, I suggest it's too many. I, I don't think that that's – you're not going to get the same message. And I think when you have a mentor – uh, there's a trust factor there that the person, again, is generally interested in you. Um, and, and I think that's important. Uh, as far as our geographic footprint, uh, Ken, uh, our schools are located in Maryland and Pennsylvania. We have eight schools in Pennsylvania, two in Maryland. Uh, we had on our 2020 staff, and we're not going to have a season, which is extremely disappointing. Um, but at any rate, uh, in the fall anyway. I'm not sure about the spring, but that's a whole nother thing. At any rate, of our 48 on-field officials, they come from six different states. We actually, believe it or not, have an official who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, who flies up each weekend for his game to do a D3 game. I kid you not. Uh, but most of our officials, everybody else drives, but we have officials who live in the state of Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C., for that matter. So. Um, but you'll find most conferences at the lower levels tend to be more what I would call a geographic centric. Uh, as you move up, that tends to go away uh, just for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, if, if I think of our own ACC crew of the 10 officials counting our replay officials, the 10 of us come from seven different states. So we're truly spread out. Uh, that's just kind of how that works. But um so that's, whoever asked that, very good question, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Michael, I, I hope that answered your question. If not, uh, pipe up and let us know. We'll try to get more information for you. Um, Mr. Burton, do you have anything to add? Uh, hey, no, just Jim's a great guy, and as you said, he's very straightforward and whatever else. 
I know the young guy that asked about camps, probably one of the good ones for a younger high school guy to go to is the Northern Colorado camp. Uh, they, they do mostly high school stuff, but there are, uh, you know, Division One and, and uh, coordinators there that could get a chance to look at them. But uh, Jim's comments are, are so true. I mean, today, you guys, it's, it's so much what you do off the field, not what you do on the field. As a coordinator, I certainly look at that. I know one thing I did in the D2 this year playoffs is I had the, uh, the game rep give me a report on how professional the crew was, how they dressed how they handled the Friday night meeting, how they treated the supplemental officials uh, on game day. Did they clean up the locker room afterwards? I, mean, I, I think that's, as Jim said, just as important as anything else. So good job, my friend. It was, it was good to listen in, in. Well, as always, Mike, you're uh, far too kind. I appreciate your, your uh, very nice words, and, and I hope you're well. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Burton. And so, um, yeah, Michael, if you, or if anybody has any questions about that camp in, in Colorado, it's the Front Range football officials camp. That, um, that's where both me and Ken were identified uh, as potential prospects for, for RMAC and eventually hired by RMAC. Um, so that's a great camp um, to get a lot, of, a lot of snaps in. Um, Get a hold of me, and I give you a little bit more logistics. If you're thinking about that camp for next year, it fills up fast. They sell out within days of them um, opening up that camp, so uh, it's it's a great one to go to. Ken, are you there? You have anything? I don't, guys. I sure appreciate your time tonight, Jim, and uh, thank you. Stay well, and God bless you. Thank you. Yep. And uh, just You're very welcome. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Um, so on Tuesday, we'll have, I think, number five, Get It Right, webinar, 30-minute webinar by Bob Arnone. We're going to take next week off because we do have the New Mexico State Clinic on Friday and Saturday, which is still mandatory. Um, we're still going to push forward. We're still going to continue these webinars, still prepare for, for the season when it does happen. Um, we don't want to stop where, what we're doing now and then have to try to fire up the engines again in the spring and play catch up. So um, we're going to continue to, to run these and, and keep going. And we're going to, as far as now, um, the behind the flag virtual camp in August is still a go. Uh, four out of the seven crews are filled. So if you're still interested in that, um, take a look at it. and. We will send out an email when the next webinar is uh, and who the pre um, presenter will be. Thanks. Good night. Thank you again.